Welcome to Truth Talk with John Morgan of Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. Good morning and welcome to Truth Talk. My name is John Morgan with the Traders Point Church of Christ. I'm here with our evangelist, Jeremy Bard, and we are going to be in Romans chapter 16 this morning. It will be our last time in the book of Romans. We've been studying through this book for the past several months, really. Uh, Even though it doesn't seem like we've been in Romans that long, we have. It's been a really good study, and we're going to finish that up this morning. So we're going to look through chapter 16. We'll probably also take some time to do a little bit of a recap of, of the book of Romans and where we've been over the past several months. So grab your Bible and uh, follow along with us. So Jeremy, as we, we get into chapter 16, we see Paul doing what he does here in chapter 16 a lot in his letters as he concludes things. Uh, he, he likes to say uh, some kind words about certain people who have done things for him, or in this case, commending people to the churches that he's writing to and those types of things. And so as you look at these, I think one of the tendencies is you kind of get to this last chapter of Paul's letters and you kind of just skip over it because it's a lot of names, many of which we don't know much about. A few here in chapter 16 we do. Uh, but how, how do you approach uh, a chapter like this at the end of this letter when Paul starts talking about some people's names that to us anyway really don't mean a whole lot? What do we do with that? Well, I think, you know, you made mention that uh, in a lot of his writings, he, he opens and closes in a very similar way mm-hmm. across most, if not all, of his epistles. They, they, even though the exact words may not be the, be the same, but primarily they're going to open and close mm-hmm. very similarly. And, and even here in, in the Romans chapter 16, he closes very similar to the way he closes a lot of other books. But here in Romans 16, it, it's an expanded form of that yeah. close. Even though in other places he'll make very specific mention of, of certain people, but here in Romans chapter 16, he really takes that to another level. That really isn't paralleled in any of his other writings. Mm-hmm. Um, I ju- I've gone through and, and taken a note, but he makes mention of 26 specific people. Mm. And then he alludes even to, you know, to other folks that he doesn't make mention by name. And so I, I think you're right. You know, sometimes we can look at this and, you know, the body of the letter is already done and you can kind of skim through here. He does make mention kind of in verses 17, 18, 19, and 20 of, of a couple of other things mm-hmm. doctrinally to kind of be thinking about. But, you know, generally speaking, we take a chapter like this, and it's a lot of people that Paul knows or, you know, that he is, uh, he's, been, he, he's aware of, and he just, mm-hmm. you know, says, hey, how you doing? And, you know, we kind of roll through. But I think when we do that, we, we miss, you know, a couple of things. I think the biggest thing overwhelming in the chapter is just the relationship that Paul has with other Christians. Mm-hmm. We, we made mention last week at the end of Romans chapter 15, he's hoping to get there. He's not been there, and he's hoping to, he's hoping to be there and to spend some time with them, but yet he writes to them that he, he's been there his whole life. I mean, mm-hmm. and I think that generates the idea that brethren, whether we have lived with them forever or have known them forever, we just have a unique relationship. Mm-hmm. And, and yep. Paul, in his writings, really showcases the level of that relationship and the love and the care and the compassion that he has for these people. And it's always a benefit to be specific when we're making mention of these things and not just talking in generalities. Mm-hmm. So here he gets very specific. Uh, with some of the people he makes mention of. And I really like that you, you brought this up because I think even for us today, you know, there are, are Christians around the world 
that we either know of or perhaps are connected to via social media or those types of things, many of whom we probably have never met face to face. But whether it be just in our own country or around the world, we're familiar with Christians in different areas, and we know of Christians who have traveled different places or moved different places. And, and you're right, there is a connection between us. There, there's a bond there that whether or not we've ever met each other, uh, we're familiar with each other's situations. Perhaps there have been instances where we have prayed for each other. Uh, and, and a lot of connection that exists between Christians that don't really know each other very well. And Paul here is writing largely to people that he probably doesn't know very well. Now, he clearly knows some, and there have been some who have kind of traveled back and forth, and so those connections have been made over the years. But just that that bond that exists between God's children is kind of seen— in, in all of Paul's letters, as he as he makes mention of different people, and even so much so with, with some of these people, they've made a significant impact on him. There there are people who have who have helped him in a variety of different ways. People that you and I we've never really heard of before outside of these mentions that, that Paul makes here. But to him, they were really important people. These were right. people that helped him during really difficult times. And who knows what all they might have done to aid him in the work that he was doing. So they were really important to Paul. And so to just to see him take the time to make mention of those people, I think is really impactful because oftentimes we think of, of Paul and we think of Titus and we think of Timothy and, and all of the people that we read about and all the great work that they did. They couldn't have done all of that without the people that Paul's talking about here. And they were behind the scenes in large part. But they were really important to the work that was being done in the first century. And I think that's just such a, a beautiful picture to to think about, even in our work today. You know, there's going to be people who are kind of at the forefront of things. But those people can't do what God put them here to do without the ones who are going to support them and help them along the way. Those people play a crucial role in that. And so seeing Paul call those people out and mention them by name here, I think is really really a beautiful way to end things. Yeah, and and again, I think there's a strong point made about Paul's recognizing their importance. And and yeah, maybe he's out kind of in the forefront, you know, of some things, but he he recognizes there there are a lot of people that make it possible that he's able to live the life Mm -hmm. that he lives and he's able to do the things that he does because it's that support network that he has, even in the words that he uses. I mean, fellow worker is a word he uses Mm -hmm. a lot and he uses it several times here. He uses it, Priscilla and Aquila, their fellow workers, Urbanus he makes mention of. Tryphena, Tryphosa, uh, Persis labored much in the Lord. And, mm-hmm. and so he uses these kinds of phrases. My beloved is a phrase that he makes uh, use of, of note among the apostles uh, about a couple of people that he makes note of. And so this kind of phraseology that he uses is, yeah, he's telling these people are really, really important to mm-hmm. me. But maybe even more so, they're really, really important to the cause of Christ. They're really, really important in his kingdom. Were they important to Paul? I think absolutely they were. But I think more importantly, they're important to Christ and in his kingdom and the work that's being done, that they're involved in it. Is Paul involved? Yeah, he's involved. But these other people, they're involved too. And now he's given us those names for all time. And here we are sitting you know, this morning talk, talking about them, and it, it is the incredible work that they've done for Christ that Paul mm-hmm. notes and then certainly makes mention of. I remember I was studying through the book of, of Nehemiah 
I think it's in chapter three or four. I can't remember off the top of my head now. But one of those chapters is just a list of names of people who are working on a wall. And I remember teaching that class for the first time and coming to that chapter. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? Like literally the entire chapter is just a list of names that I don't know anything about. And the more I think about that, there is something really impactful about that because as you you just pointed out, to me, those names don't mean anything. I have a hard time pronouncing them. I don't know who they were. They're long gone. But the fact that the Holy Spirit recorded those names for all time meant that the Lord knew who they were and they were significant and they were impactful and they had a strong purpose for what they were doing, so much so that God chose to record their names for you and I to read thousands of years later. And the same is true here when Paul is doing this. These names don't necessarily mean a whole lot to us, but to think about the Lord knowing these people and the Holy Spirit seeing fit to to preserve their names for all time, there is significance in the fact that these people in the first century had dedicated their lives to the service of Christ and to furthering the gospel, and the Lord sees that as significant and important and impactful. And, and I, can, I can apply that to myself today. You know, maybe my name's never going to be in, in, in lights anywhere, but if I'm, if I'm dedicating myself to the service of Christ, the Lord knows my name, and He knows what I'm doing and the work that I'm doing, and that, that is important to Him, and He sees value in that. And I need to take heart in that too. And I think all of us as, as servants of Christ should look at Romans chapter 16 and, and the other ways in which Paul ends some of his letters and that chapter in Nehemiah and other places and see those names and recognize that names don't get lost on God. If you're working hard in his kingdom, he recognizes that. He knows you. He sees you. And there's value there. And that should really be a motivator for us, I think, when we go about our daily lives to to really work in God's kingdom in every way that we can, knowing that he places a great deal of significance on that. Yeah, I don't think anybody in this you know chapter was going about uh, their everyday life and service to God because they're hoping or thinking, hey, Paul's going to make mention right. of me one day. <laughs> Well, that's not the sense that I get here. No. I, I get the sense that you just have people going about their everyday life in, in the most godly way that they can. And because of that, they're promoting Christ. Mm-hmm. God absolutely is never going to miss, never will ever miss that. But Paul, he he takes note of, of those things. And, and we've talked a lot about the relationship that he has with with brethren and the uniqueness of it, and I think we see that even at the very beginning. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if we'll certainly work through you know each and every verse through chapter sixteen, but even at the very outset of this chapter, I think you see it when Paul makes mention of uh, of a, a woman by the name of Phoebe, and apparently she's either had just gotten to Rome and with the brethren there, or she's on her way. But they don't know her, but Paul mm-hmm. does. And then, you know, he's making mention of, listen, you need to receive her. She's going to need some help mm-hmm. to be there for her. She's been a servant of the church in Sincrea and all of those things. But the key component to that is at the very beginning, as he introduces her, I commend to you, Phoebe, our sister. And then that just, to me, that sets up the idea of, listen, this is someone who is 
uh, a family member. Mm-hmm. And that's how it's, mm-hmm. that's the picture, the illustration that's given in the New Testament. This is a family member. She's coming to you. She's going to be there. And, and she's been an incredible help to me. Paul makes mention of in verse 2. And she's going to need help from you. And, and it's not as if he's begging. I don't get that sense that, hey, step away outside your box and help her. Mm-hmm. This is just the way that it is. Yeah. And it's just a beautiful picture of, I think, how the Lord's church globally certainly can work. And now you even see a picture even locally right here uh, with the with the group there in Rome. And I think Paul probably sees how beneficial that can be because he himself was in that situation. Yeah. Uh, after he was converted, the churches were not too excited about welcoming him because of his reputation that he had. And so he needed people to kind of vouch for him, so to speak, so that he could kind of get his foot in the door with some of the churches that he was going to work with. And so I think he may see the value in that as he's been through that himself. He takes note and takes time to do that for other people. Hey, you may not know this person, but I do. And, and they're a servant of the Lord's, and so you should take take them in and help them out in any way that you can. And so I think he, he I wonder sometimes when I read stuff like this, if he's not really in the back of his mind thinking about the, his own experiences in that situation and recognizing how valuable it can be for a, a brother in Christ who is well known to vouch for someone else who may be coming to the area for the first time and how much more uh, peace that will give the local body there and the person coming in for the first time. There's going to be a, a connection there. They both know Paul. Oh, yeah, Paul vouched for you. You're so oh, welcome. Come on in. You know, there's that kind of breaking down of those barriers that he's doing for these people. And I, I wonder sometimes if he's not calling on some of his own experiences as he does that. You know, it's really an interesting point. You know, Barnabas is the one that does mm-hmm. that for Paul and uh, there in the book of Acts. And, you know, we don't know a lot about Barnabas even up to that point. But he carries an incredible amount of weight. I yeah. mean, as, as Paul is there in Jerusalem for the first time, and people are pretty leery of him, and it's Barnabas that takes mm-hmm. him and introduces him to the apostles. And even though it doesn't go great for him there, and he ends up going you know, back up to his home in Tarsus, it's still Barnabas. Barnabas yeah. goes and yeah. gets him yeah. and brings him to Antioch, and, yeah. and, and they get established there together. And you know, and, and yeah, I mean, Paul, from his mindset, is this is how, this is how it's to be. Mm-hmm. He had that. In Barnabas, he's going to be that for other people. Phoebe is going to be that for other people. And it just the way that it works is that we're there for each other. Yeah. And that's the way the church is designed to operate, is that brethren, are. it is for us to be there. So that's why you have all these commendations. That's why... Mm-hmm. The chapter is filled with Paul saying hello to people who are there in Rome, and then even towards the end of the chapter, getting to the, and here are all the people with me, and they're sending their greetings, and he makes mention of all of those folks, and you just have this, this cross of all of these people. And you just don't know how many of them have even met face to face, but yet they're in the same place, yep. and that is in the body of Christ. And it is a unique and special relationship that is shared, and you feel that pretty heavy right here in Romans chapter 16. Yeah, even down in verse number 16, he kind of concludes that opening section by just saying the churches of Christ greet you. And like you just pointed out, there is just this sense amongst Christians that when the opportunity presents itself, you want to say hello to the other Christians. And, you know, obviously they didn't have the, the ways of communicating that we enjoy today. 
And so Paul is kind of passing along their greetings in his letters. And so even, even those that aren't necessarily mentioned by name, you even get the sense that, you know, there's probably a lot of people who are saying, oh, hey, when you write to the Christians in Rome, tell them hi for me, right. you know, or wish them well for mm-hmm. me. And, and, and that sense of camaraderie and, and even teamwork, so to speak, I think really says a lot for the Lord's church and, and the, the bond and the camaraderie that we should have with one another that we're all, we're all working together. Whether we know each other well, whether we live close to each other or not, we're, we're all working together towards the same goal. And so if I have an opportunity to encourage someone else uh, thousands of miles away, I'm going to take an opportunity to right. do that, no matter how small that may be. It's an opportunity for me to say, hey, I'm, I'm right there with you. You know, you're, you're not alone in this. How are you doing? Keep, keep, doing the, keep doing the good work. Those types of things can be really encouraging to people. Even today, I think that can be really encouraging to people. You know, we live in a community where you know, we're fortunate enough to live around a lot of Christians, and, and we can feel that, that sense of teamwork as we, as we strive together in the Lord's kingdom. But there are a lot of Christians who don't get to enjoy that. Right. There are a lot of Christians who probably feel like they're on an island, and so if, if we can encourage them in some way, man, that would, that's so uplifting to those people to know that they're not alone, that there are other Christians who are working with them, praying for them, thinking about them. And so when we see what Paul's doing here, I think it's a good lesson to us to try and do the same thing when we have an opportunity to do so. Even with people we may not know well, you, you never know what that small uh, word of encouragement may mean to them. Yeah, and I'll tell you, even the flip side of that, because we are surrounded, at least right here in our community, by so many, I mean, the temptation is also, you know, to take that for granted. And yeah. we've, we've got to be careful about that as well, to, to not take it for granted. Because you're right, not everybody has that incredible blessing. And that, that's what it is. I mean, it's an incredible blessing. And so we've got, to, we've got to take advantage of that. And we've got to feel that. We've got to feel the care, the love, the compassion. And everything that you feel from Paul to the brethren in Rome, from I think most certainly he's writing this from Corinth. He makes mention of you know the church that's meeting there in the house of Gaius. You can use the New Testament to you know piece those things together. But you know it, it is these churches filled with people that may have never met one another and may never. I mean the travel. You know they're not just getting in a car and heading you know to another place like we are able to do. Yeah. And so they never get there, but yet you, they still have an incredible connection. And, and I think you're right. To me, I picture the same thing. Paul is writing a letter, and he's just all the time people are like, hey, oh, you're writing a letter there to Rome? I mean, let them know I'm praying for them, or uh-huh. let them know, you know, I say hello, or whatever. And he's just, I mean, it's like the Romans 16 never ends, because, <laughs> you know, he's just like, oh, I've got this person, and this person says hello. And, and that's kind of the picture that, you know, that I get as he's closing this up, and he's like, man, I've got to make mention of these yeah. people, and oh, and, and so-and-so, they're there, and oh, and this guy, he's there, and it just kind of keeps rolling, because that's the level of, uh, of love that certainly is, is flowing from this chapter. You may mention of it earlier, but it is kind of interesting that, that almost in the midst of all of this, yeah. you get verses 17 through 20, where he, he kind of takes just this brief pause to, to hit on one more thing, and then he kind of goes back into some of those greetings and, and really the, the close there in the last couple of, of verses. But before time gets away from us, I do want to look at just those few verses because it's interesting that in the midst of all of this, literally in the middle of it, he he takes a moment here to to kind of encourage them in one more area, and that is uh, to be careful amongst those who seek to cause division or offense or contrary to the doctrine that they've been taught. 
And I, I do think it's an interesting place to put that. He, he's, he's hit on that topic a couple of times in his letter already. But right here at the end, you almost get this impression that there's something, hey, this is really crucial. I'm, I'm closing things down. I'm saying goodbye to everyone. But one more time before I leave you, I want you to be really, really careful about this. Be careful about people who are looking to cause division among you. And at first, it seems as if that's somewhat out of the blue because it's in the... But when you stop to think about it, what, what he's doing when he's closing things up, as we've been talking about, is he, he's showing the, the teamwork and the camaraderie and the unity and the bond that Christians have with one another. And then he's calling attention to the fact that there are people out there looking to break that. Right. There are, there are people who are going to, to do everything in their power to tear all of that down. You've got to watch out for those people. The people I'm talking about, they're the ones who are going to work to build the unity and to strengthen the bond. But watch out for those who are looking to break it all down because they're out there too. And that, I think, is another good lesson for us today about being careful about the, the people and the environments that can cause a breakdown in the unity that Christ wants for his people. Yeah, it's almost, you know, in this chapter, he's noting lots of people for lots of different reasons. Mm-hmm. And so he's by name. It's almost, even though he doesn't use those words, it is, you know, take note of Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers. They've risked their own lives, you mm-hmm. know, take note of. You know, all of these people, you know, take note of marriage. He's labored much. Take note of Andronicus and Junia. I mean, it is, you know, take note of these people. They're, they're working hard for God. They are, they are, as we've made mention, they're on our team. They're on, you know, this side. And now he gets here to verse 17 and he's, you know, take note. Take note of people who are working against that, mm-hmm. who are working against that. He, he says there in verse 18 that they're not serving Jesus. Right. They're serving themselves, their own belly. I mean, what a great, yeah. you know, <laughs> phrase that he, you know, he throw, that he throws up, you know, that they're serving their own belly and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive. And, you know, that, that's, that point is made throughout the New Testament and other places that deception comes uh, in the form of, usually in deception and smooth, flattering mm-hmm. speech, it's not coming with an announcement of, hey, listen, I'm looking to tear things All apart. Right. I'm looking to, you know, advance my own agenda. Yeah. You know, listen to what I have to say. Normal, it's not going to come across that way. And so I think you're right. It, it is that final admonition to to take note, which is to be careful. Just take notice. Just mm-hmm. to take notice of people. Jesus himself will make the point. Listen, people's fruits will be bore. I mean, they, yeah. they'll, they'll bear themselves out. A, a good tree is going to produce good fruit. Mm-hmm. A, a bad tree cannot produce bad fruit so, or good fruit. So you've got you to look close. You've got to pay attention. You've got to take note. And that's, and that's where he is. And so, yeah, it may seem, as you may mention, you know, kind of sitting right here in the middle, but it does fit with yeah. where he is, and it really brings that you know kind of seriousness and sober mindedness back to it. That I think even him making mention of these other people, mm-hmm. you know, carry it. It certainly mm-hmm. is very personal, but still it is you know take note of these people. These are hard workers for Christ. Um, you know, greet these people and you know do those kinds of things as well. And it really goes again to show the value of what he was doing there earlier in the chapter because yeah. those people, the the Christians in Rome, are going to see and and they're not that you don't want not that you don't let your guard down altogether, but you're going to recognize these people and know. Okay, Paul vouched for this person. Right. I feel comfortable with them, but with the, with other people, perhaps where that hasn't happened. 
then this warning is there that, hey, you just need to be careful. Right. You need to be careful because there are people out there who are going to, to look just to serve themselves. There are people out there who are going to look to put themselves on a pedestal and in doing so try and diminish the power of the gospel in the church. And so you have to be careful with that. And the same is true today. We have to be careful with that today. Those can come from a variety of different places. You have to be careful about that. It's a real threat that Satan is going to use to try and infiltrate uh, the Lord's church. He's going to try and find people who will get in there, work their way in with smooth speech right. and all these different things, and then insert their own will uh, among people. And so we have to be careful about that. And so I think it is important, as, as Paul's kind of drawing that contrast between these are the ones who are going to strengthen you, these are the ones yeah. who are going to encourage you, these are the ones who are going to build you up, and then there are going to be some who are going to try and do the exact opposite. Watch out for them. Welcome these. Yeah, it, and even in these few verses in 17 through 20, you know, I was looking at earlier, it, it's almost the, you know, the simple admonitions that you see nearly in every book of the New mm -hmm. Testament, especially. It is the idea of be watchful yep. and be patient. And that's what you have there in verse 20 when he says, you know, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. I mean, he doesn't provide that for them so that they know, listen, all oh, vengeance is coming. You know, we're, you know it, it is the idea of, it is in every way the idea of be patient. Yeah. Listen, God is in control. God is aware. God is here. And he's going to take care of things. Mm -hmm. So just be patient. And those two ideas, you see... I mean, it is weaved through the entirety of the New Testament to be watchful and to be patient. And he almost includes that here as he closes. And listen, he's talked about it in a lot of ways throughout the yeah. whole book. But it is that idea of be watchful, be patient, and, uh, and take note. Take note of these things. Be patient. And then he, after that, he kind of you know, closes out the, you know, all these people with me. They say hello as well. And then he kind of brings things to a close. When you, when you think about really the, we've talked about throughout the, the letter, how he's dealt with some of the cultural differences between the Jews and the Gentiles and some of the challenges that have been presented. As those two groups have now been unified under Christ, I think when you see a, a close to a letter like this, including 17, 18, 19, and 20, I think what you're seeing there is just that continuation of Paul's desire to see these people truly become one family. Right. And that means you're going to work together, you're going to watch together, you're going to have patience together, you're going to strive together, you're going to welcome these people together. You're going to do all of this together as one. And I think he, he's as he's closing the letter, he's really kind of doing that in the same voice that he's been wanting these people to recognize throughout the entirety of the letter which is you guys need to do all of this together. Right. This is this is something you I'm not talking about you do it this way, you do it this way, you do it this way. As the Lord's church, you welcome these people. As yeah. the Lord's church, you show love to these people. As the Lord's church, you're watchful. As the Lord's church, you're patient. Yeah. You're doing this together as one. And and that really I think has been one of the things that Paul has been trying to hit on through the entire letter. And it's so important even for us today that we need to recognize that we are all in this together. Now, on the day of judgment, we're going to stand up there one, one by one. Sure. But we are the Lord's family. We are the Lord's church. And we need to take that approach where we're working together. We need to be unified under Christ in, in every way. And that's going to be the way that we... We, the way that the Lord's church continues to grow and continues to be strengthened 
is if we recognize that we're all in this together and we're all working together as one. Yeah, I mean, that's to me, I agree. That, that's the overwhelming theme of this book. I mean, it's certainly a lengthy letter in, in comparison to you know some of the others that Paul has written, but it, it really is a very simple message, and it is that idea that everybody is in— you fill in the blank almost together. I mean, you know, the book begins with everybody has the same problem. Whether you're a Jew, whether you're a Gentile, yeah. everybody has the same problem. That problem is sin. Everybody, the solution is the same for everybody. Mm-hmm. The solution to that problem is Jesus. It is the exact same for the Jew. It is the exact same for the Gentile. Everybody has the same problem. The solution is the same for everybody. And when you take advantage of that solution, everybody is in the same family. Mm-hmm. Nobody is more. Nobody is less. Everybody is in the same family. And because of that, everybody has to be looking out for one another. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, and what a great lesson it is for them, but it's certainly good for us to be reminded of that as well. It, it helps us with humility. It helps us with reverence, I think, and, mm-hmm. and gratitude for what God has done. And certainly it helps us with an understanding of the Lord's church and the love and the care and the compassion that it takes to operate within it. Absolutely. We'll go ahead and wrap things up there. Our time is about up. We just want to say a a quick word of thanks to those of you who have studied through the entirety of this book with us over the past several months. Thank you for taking your time uh, to do that. Uh, Hopefully it's given you some things to think about as as I'm sure you'll be studying Romans for the rest of your life in one way or another, but hopefully this is giving you some things to think about as you go through that study. So thank you very much for for doing that with us. Uh, if you're in the area and looking for a place to worship, we want to invite you to come and be with us. We we worship on Sunday mornings. Uh, we have Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by worship at 10 a.m., and again at 6 p.m. on Sunday evenings. We also have Bible classes on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. So please come and join us uh, if you have an opportunity to do that. If you've missed any of our previous studies through Romans and you want to catch up on some of those, you can do that on our Facebook page uh, as well as our podcast. Uh, If you go to Apple Podcasts and search Traders Point Church of Christ or Truth Talk, you'll find that there. And it has all of the recordings from our previous studies through Romans. So you can get caught up there if you've missed some of those. So thank you all again for uh, taking some time to study with us, and we'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Truth Talk with John Morgan of the Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. You can hear Truth Talk every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here on 98.9 FM WYRZ.